0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge of Wharton.
1: Welcome back to the Knowledge of Wharton podcast. I'm Rachel Kipp, Associate Editorial Director of the Knowledge of Wharton website. We're here today with Amanda Shaner. She's a Wharton Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics, and she's here to talk to us about her dissertation, which focuses on First Amendment protections for commercial interests. Amanda, thanks for being with us. It's great to be here. Now, your dissertation, as I was saying, it focuses on questions that are emerging about the boundaries of the First Amendment.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about how did we get to this point? Sure. So my research focuses primarily on constitutional law, and in particular, the First Amendment and the freedom of speech. Um, And my recent work, including my dissertation, explores the changing relationship between the Constitution and modern economic regulation and the modern regulatory state. Um, And it traces in particular over how over the last three decades in particular, we've seen a marked increase in First Amendment challenges to economic regulation. So anything from cigarette warning labels to credit card swipe fee laws to the FDA's drug regulatory power. Um, The last term alone, the Supreme Court heard three cases involving the First Amendment and economic life. Uh, Masterpiece Cake Shop about a baker's decision to decline to sell a cake to a gay couple. Uh, A case called Janus about a First Amendment challenge to public sector union agency fees. And finally, a case involving mandated disclosures for crisis uh, pregnancy centers, which implicates how professionals like doctors and lawyers, uh, can be regulated by the state. So what's fascinating is that these sorts of challenges didn't exist a few decades ago, but now are some of the most pitched battles in courts across the country. The First Amendment has long been considered a mainstay of political liberty, but increasingly constitutional law is now important to economic ordering, um, or maybe more precisely, the way in which it's important is changing, and that's what my research focuses on. So where is this coming from? Like, How are people thinking about this differently in leading to these types of challenges? So that's a fascinating question. That's really sort of what got me interested um, in this particular set of research is what we're seeing is a big change not just in First Amendment law, but in constitutional law more broadly. Um, And so one of the papers, the first chapter of my dissertation, focuses on what are some of the origins of that? Um, And what I identify as two main things. One is um, what I describe as a a business-led social movement. So it's the way in which we we oftentimes, in in constitutional law, people talk a lot about how social movements can change the meaning of the Constitution or how it's interpreted. So things like the civil rights movement or the women's rights movement. But what I identify in my dissertation is the way in which the business community is increasingly important in, in the way in which the Constitution is being interpreted, particularly in the context of the First Amendment. Um, And then on the other side, I trace the way in which certain changes in the way that um, governments, both big and small, the federal, state, local governments, are changing how they regulate economic entities. And those things together, I argue, are increasing the conflict between the First Amendment uh, and the modern regulatory state. So you write in your dissertation that there's
1: been this kind of ideological shift in which more conservative members of the court of the supreme court used to view these type of challenges as non-productive and are now viewing it in some cases as a way to remove oversight could you
0: explain so this is fascinating so I, as as a backdrop i think it's important to understand to recognize how something big is happening in constitutional law, you have to understand what the background was to begin with and for decades uh since about the time after the great depression it's been sort of bedrock constitutional law that the courts give sort of more lenient review to economic regulations and more stringent review of quote fundamental rights like free speech and so the first amendment sort of fa- is fascinating because in fact one thing that i didn't even know before i started studying this is that 1st mate cases are very recent in the court's history. So for many, many years the Supreme Court heard no First Amendment cases, and there really wasn't First Amendment law or First Amendment jurisprudence. And it it was only in the beginning of uh, the 20th century that we began to have First Amendment cases really around World War I. And the protection for commercial speech actually emerged only in the 1970s. So it was of really recent origin. And so what's fascinating is that around that time when the court began to extend protections to commercial speakers, um, the, the justices who opposed this, where the conservative justices, in particular Justice Rehnquist, um, who identified this as he thought this was absolutely constitutionally anomalous and horrible. Um, But what's happened through the 90s and to today is there's been an ideological shift on the court where the conservative justices are more embracing of um, more stringent protections for commercial speakers, Um, and the more liberal justices in the main, though not entirely, um, are more interested in in preserving the state's power to regulate in areas from, you know, uh, drug regulatory power, etc.
1: Now, you have some personal experience with this. You represented the gay couple in the Masterpiece Cake Shop case as a staff attorney for the ACLU. So how did you see this play out in court?
0: So this it was, it was terrific. It was such an honor to be part of that case. So I spent the last year uh, as a staff attorney in the National Legal Department of the ACLU working on a bunch of their different Supreme Court cases, including Masterpiece Cake Shop. Um, and so the thing that I think is interesting about Masterpiece Cake Shop, well, there are a number of things, is that, um, you know, I think a lot of people think about the case as involving gay people or wedding cakes or maybe the question of whether or not cakes are art and so should be protected by the First Amendment. Um but really, if you look at it just a little bit harder, you recognize that something much deeper and bigger is at play, which is whether or not um, the Constitution protects a right to discriminate in ordinary market transactions or whether or not instead the Constitution says, no, we protect the ability of governments to mandate open access to the basic social, civil, economic um, uh, institutions of our society. Um, and so. It's fascinating because a number of these cases have been brought before Masterpiece. Like a number of them have made it even to the Supreme Court. So where people have raised constitutional objections to anti discrimination laws. So for instance, a really famous case um, uh, called Heart of Atlanta Motel, involving a hotel that said, "I have um, a Fifth Amendment right, actually, not to have black, not to serve black people in my motel." okay um another case involving a famous law firm saying i have a, f- a first amendment right a freedom of association right not to have women partners in my in my law firm. And in every juncture, the Supreme Court has rejected those. So what's fascinating is that Masterpiece brought this case, which raised really the same question, whether or not a business entity has a right to turn people away. And so because the court had been so consistent in all these cases, like a case about a barbecue joint that didn't want to serve black people, and the court had rejected all of these challenges. So it was very surprising that the court took the case. And when they did, a lot of people thought it must mean that the court was going to change the rules. And so what was fascinating, in fact, is that it didn't. The court rejected the basic argument made by the baker that, in fact, he had um, either free speech or uh, a freedom of religion argument not to serve the cake, and instead decided to sell the cake to the gay couple, and instead decided on the most narrow grounds that in this particular case, in this case alone, that the agency was biased. So it, it, it in the next cake, like the next day, if he turned around and refused to sell a cake to a gay couple, the law would still apply, like it always did, just like it did in the motel case, in the barbecue case, et cetera. And so that was actually really a, a really big win um, for the ACLU and for sort of like the forces of equality. Which is
1: interesting because I think a lot of people and a lot of news media, and if you read a lot, that was not it was not portrayed yes. that way at all.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, it, and I think that that you know. The the bakery won in a certain limited sense, but it didn't win on the important legal question. Um, the court said a lot of things that are supportive of the idea that anti-discrimination laws don't raise constitutional question. But we may have a new court in not very long. I mean, um, Judge Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings are ongoing today. So we'll still see whether or not there will be another one of these cases and what a new court may or may not decide.
1: And I mean I was going to say there is a lot of ground left to cover by the courts in these types of cases. And can you give us an idea of like what's at stake here in terms of how we view commercial speech in through the lens of free speech? So there
0: there the, the Types and range of First Amendment cases that the courts are seeing today are very wide ranging. So they range from cases sort of like raising a tension between equality and freedom of speech and other sorts of cases that are more like just like straight up economic liberty. Like, I don't want to put a disclosure on my product that says it's dangerous or it has 300 calories or what have you. Um, So they actually sort of they run the gamut. The larger question is, what does the First Amendment mean today? And what should it mean in economic life? Um, and that may have a range of different answers, um, both when we get a new court, but also in terms of normatively, how how we want to structure our society, what we think the freedom of speech really means and should mean.
1: And what would you say, as the courts are trying to decide this case, I mean, what would you hope that they would keep in mind, or even that people who are thinking about bringing these cases would keep in
0: mind going forward? So I'll say a number of things. So first, I think um, I think it's important to understand that Big things are at play in the First Amendment and constitutional law. Like Things are changing. Um, and where that goes will make a huge difference in terms of what businesses can do um, and what freedoms people have and what abilities governments have to raise to the challenges of t- today's economic and social you know, biggest issues. Um, I'll say in the context of the anti-discrimination uh, cases, I think that uh, it's very important for governments to be able to mandate open access to marketplaces. That's been a bedrock of American social li- life for re- actually centuries now, um, which is why the, the court has rejected these sorts of challenges. And so I would hope that the courts would recognize that moving forward, which is not to say that that these claims are at all frivolous or illegitimate, but just that um, that both what the First Amendment's protections are are very important, but also – what government abilities are, what legitimate state action is, even in the context of things that are arguably free speech.
1: So this relationship between businesses and government and what governments can require, what kind of oversight governments can have over businesses, I can also see a conflict here between requiring businesses to say things that are maybe in some dispute, for example, over climate change or over abortion. And how complicated does it get when you have these very these two very opposing points of view and there may be some back right something to back up both of them some information that supports both where does that what kind of position does that leave the courts in
0: so uh, uh, so the court actually addressed an abortion disclosure this last term and it essentially said um, abortion is a particularly fraught area of moral political social import today and it it held that the California disclosure laws in particular uh, that were at stake in the case were unconstitutional. So I think that that signals that at least in the context of abortion disclosures, we're going to see pretty aggressive court oversight. Something like climate change, I think is is probably quite different, right? Um, in general, climate change falls, seems like it would fall more in the realm of um, more traditional state powers to regulate, um, and so things that disclosures about um, the So, for instance, like on cars, like the miles per gallon sorts of disclosures, it seemed, it would seem, I can't imagine that a court would strike those down on free speech grounds. But where that limit is, is really the question, sort of like where from abortion laws to, you know, calorie disclosures will the court decide actually that's the boundary of the First Amendment. And, and the courts are really kind of running in that direction, and that's the big question on the table, and what I research is sort of um, – is 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 where sh- where should that boundary be and where will the co- courts go with it i mean i think so much for being with us it's great You can find all of Knowledge at Wharton's articles,
1: podcasts, and more on our website, which is knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You can also find all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and your other favorite podcasting app. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It really does help other people find the podcast. Thanks for listening. For more
0: insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.